Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. On today's Coaching Coordinator podcast, we talk about the art of branding and how it really needs to be something that is driven by your culture and not the other way around. Everybody today has become great at branding. They have great social media, all kinds of awesome graphics, but there still has to be something behind that. And that's where culture comes in. And joining me to discuss that today are co-hosts of the Culture Classroom podcast. Both of them are coaches at the high school level. John Weaver is the Director of Athletic Advancement and is the receivers coach for three-time state champion Madison Ridgeland Academy in Mississippi. And John Torrey is a former NFL coach, coached at the college level at Iowa State, and then NFL with the 49ers. He's now a high school head wrestling coach, running backs coach, and eighth grade social studies teacher. So John and John, great to have you guys here today. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, it's great. It's funny to hear our names, John and John. Like maybe we should have entitled our podcast that John and John. So jamming with J&J, I don't know, something cool like that. But thanks, Keith. Been listening to Coaching Coordinator Podcast forever. Just grateful for the opportunity to share with your listeners about stuff that we do. Yeah, like super excited to be here. Weaver and I are big sharers. So like we have in no means we have all the answers and like we are figuring things out on the daily. But one of the great parts about what you do is you build other people up, right? You, you like the resources you put out there for other coaches are phenomenal. You're a sharer as well. And so Weaver and I, we don't have the process nailed down. We just are constantly experimenting. And so thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Absolutely. So the idea here, we're talking about branding today. And, you know, John, I shared a clip from his course that's on CoachTube and creating a, an identity for your position group. And I think he just does an excellent job with it. He really understands it. it's a big part of his day job at MRA. And, you know, what I said, though, was that there has to be something more behind it. And so before we get going, I guess just your thoughts on that general topic, culture and branding. And uh, John Torrey, we'll start with you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, culture, you can't turn on ESPN anymore without people talking about it, right? You go through your social media feed and it's culture, 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 culture. These are the things they do. And so it's huge, like the buzzword, right? What makes culture, though, interesting to me is that one, it can't be replicated. 
you can take what other people do and there's all kinds of great ideas out there and you're going to get some on this podcast too, but it has to be authentic. Otherwise it feels fake. It's cheesy. It doesn't work. And eventually it falls apart. And for me, like we talk about culture and we talk about identity and position group stuff. It's all about taking care of people. Like culture is how you handle people on a daily basis. And I mean, I teach eighth grade, like there is no one that experiences more ups and downs in a day than the average eighth grader, right? So you're going to see that. And I have very few problems in my classroom, not because I'm the world's best teacher, not because I have it all figured out, but just because it's all how we handle people. And so when we talk about identity and position group, that's what I think about. What are you doing on a daily basis to handle people? I'll echo that. I knew when going into the being a coach and all that stuff that you needed to have something more than the person that was just in the jersey. You had to you had to grab their heart. You had to capture them. You had to do things that would get them involved. And the more you hear the word culture and then you hear intentional, I think the word intentional is overused and underutilized. It's just like a word that people just throw out. It's intentional, intentional, intentional culture. Well, you have to work at it. And I know, you know, with X's and O's, you can get the best clinic. I think the AFC just happened. There's a Glazier clinic going on. There's a Nike coach of the year clinic always going on. So you can get something quick and implement it in your team. But culture, system, whatever you want to use, it takes work and it takes time. And when you say intentional time, you might not see results in the first six days, six weeks, six months, or sometimes even six years. It takes a long time. And when you start looking at, I mean, I do this for a living with our athletic department, but part of the reason I got this job inside of our athletic department is what I did with my receivers. And you saw like there is a piece of like my heart that goes into what I do and you do it for 14 receivers then you do it for a whole athletic department. I mean, there's a level of, I say the word, intentional. And for me, it was a buzzword of like intentional culture. Well, now it has to mean something. So if we write notes, if we do this, we're doing good day notes, like good news notes right now for just kids in our athletic department. Those have to happen. If I say, I'm going to write you a note, somebody in our athletic department every day, that's a piece of our culture. If I don't write that note, then that didn't happen. Then it's not intentional. It's just words and it's fluff. So I think coaches have to be careful when they dive into culture. One, it's got to be who you are. You can't fake it. You can't be a PJ Fleck. You can't be a Pete Carroll. You got to be true to who you are. And you can't be a Nick Saban or a Davos. Like you have to find what fits you. So culture's big. I mean, I think you can hear from John Tory and I our passion for this. But look, X's and O's are important as you're listening to this. We get it. But you got to grab their heart. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. The strategy, strong strategy can be a part of the culture. And, and we could get that to that a little bit later. But you brought up, you know, the idea of all the clinics out there. And this is a great time to pick up ideas. But I've found over time that coaching is not a copy and paste function. Even yourself, when you move on to another place, I've learned that in my experiences too. What I did at one place, I can't pick up and take to another. It's about, and this is an offense, defense, culture, special teams, coaching a position, whatever it might be, you're going to learn all these things. I think you have to go out and learn. You have to get perspective. You have to see how other people are doing it. You're going to like some of those ideas, and you may even borrow some of those ideas, but then it's about how do you evolve yourself to fit those things in, and exactly like you said, to be who you are. Now, 
we all have some experience uh, behind us, you know, just looking at our hair. <laughs> whatever, whatever our hairline and lack of yeah right gets a little thinner all the time thing to do when you're a, a young coach and i can remember sitting in those clinics and being wide-eyed and thinking oh my god what a great idea i gotta do this so i guess for you guys perspective on that the young coach who finds some ideas he loves how can he figure out how does this fit me and who i am in the way that I'm going to coach my players. I can start. There's a great John Madden story. And I, I mean, no one has had more of an influence on my coaching career than John Madden. And I never even met the guy, just the books I read and the things that I study and all the NFL films and all the things like that. John Madden, I have emulated myself to be more like Madden than any other coach. And Coach Weaver and I share on the, on the culture classroom on an episode. He goes to the coaching clinic in the NFL his first year as a head coach. And he walks in, he thinks he's, you know, it's everything about football, right? And he's got it all figured out and he's made it and he's young and, and energetic. And his Oakland Raiders teams were phenomenal in the 60s and 70s. And then he hears Vince Lombardi talk about the famous Packer sweep and he diagrams it for eight hours. And one play, eight hours long, and John Madden walks out of there and he goes, I realized then I know nothing about football. And I think about that. And for me, when I go to a clinic or when I pick up a book or when I interact with another coach and I'm trying to learn from them or I'm asking them about their program, their culture, that C word, all those things, I want one idea. I'm looking for the golden egg that I can experiment with, that I can take back to the lab with me, that I can implement and be intentional with my team right now. And then I equate it to throwing spaghetti against the wall, right? I'm cooking spaghetti. I'm throwing something and I'm going to see what sticks. And if it sticks, I'm going to elaborate on it. The things that stick, we want to build on. So I'm in year 16 as a coach right now. I wish I could go back and coach the way I do right now with my year one coaching, right? With my teams in year one, because I've found things that stick and I'm way better in year 16 than I am in year one. We can't go back, but find the things that stick. Find one thing that sticks and expound on that. That's a great example there. And talking about Coach Madden, and for me, and, and this is, I can relate it to scheme. I think the scheme gives a, a clear, clear idea. Scheme's tangible. Anytime I wanted to learn something in this game and not quite sure what led me into doing it this way. I've just always done it this way. But uh, whether that be, you know, there was a time when I wanted to learn the fly sweep slash jet sweep. And so it was going out to, you know, a couple guys we saw multiple clinics. I could think of a guy by the name of, of Glenn McNew, who was in Morgantown and a state champion there. And then reaching out to Mark Speckman. <laughs> Mark Speckman sent me a, a VHS tape. So that explains how long ago that was to just get some of those multiple perspectives. I wanted to learn the, the zone running game, especially the outside zone play. You know, went and sat down with guys at multiple levels and took, I had like a four inch binder of every article I could find and notes I took on videos, like all this information that then I took and we synthesized and, you know, with, with my coaches, you know, where, where do we want to go with this and how does it fit for us? And little things like, you know, I learned a stretch play uh, really close to the version of what we use was here in Ohio, Strongsville, Ohio with Russ Jakes, who Russ had been a 
a coordinator at Wisconsin at the college level and was doing a great job with this at high school. And, you know, when they ran uh, like their must have been their dive play. Yeah, it was their dive play. And we, we ran a fullback zone dive. Great for us. Then they would carry out an option fake. And I said, well, we're never going to run option. So why would we do this? And so it took us figuring out, okay, how can we make this ours? And it has to fit, right? And that really then became an idea how we fit it together. Did it with four verticals. Did it with our leadership program. Like, you know, it's it, it was never one source for me. It was multiple sources. And I would suggest that that's a way, if you're a young coach, like don't take that great idea, find more things like it. And then I think as you do that, you start to figure out, this is kind of who I am with this. It, this is how it fits what I believe. I'm big into starting small. When I was starting to outline who the ARB was, I looked into PJ Fleck, not just because of the type of hair we both had, but I looked into like, he had like 270 definitions inside of his athletic department in his whole football program. I was like, I remember when I was in eighth grade English, I didn't like vocabulary words. So that was a turnoff for me. So I didn't want this long, elaborate type deal. The other thing is, is I think you have to know your why and your how as a coach of who am I going to be? And everybody's a what, workers are what, ants are what, right? But knowing your how and your why kind of lets you set up to, am I going to be a transparent coach that pours into my kids to let them a little bit into my life and share? Or am I going to be closed off? I'm going to have this stone wall and they're not, I'm coach, they're athlete. And that's it. That's as far as I'm going to let them go. So I think if you're a young coach, when you start looking at, hey, who who do I want to be like? Pete Carroll, PJ Fleck, Nick Saban, uh, whoever, Bob Wager, who's now with Nebraska. I mean, unbelievable story with him. Uh, go big, Brad. <laughs> so I think as long as you're transparent with yourself and not translucent, and you know your why and your how as a young coach, of there's a reason you got in this game. And a lot of people will say, Oh, I didn't get it for in it for the money. You wouldn't do this for free. You got to pay bills and got to do all that stuff. That's why there's huge contracts and all that out there. So people that say that, yes, you want to do it. So if you're a junior high coach or a high school head coach or just a position coach, or if you're in junior college, or if you're at the end of your college days of coaching and you're you're about to retire in three years, you still can do this. For me, the C word also gets convoluted a little bit that it's rainbows and unicorns and we can talk about this and it's soft and this, so that's that soft coaching. It's far from that. And there's a speech that was told to us to our team two years ago by our pastor. And it was the whole thing of it was high truth, high love. And I think if you operate your culture out of high truth and high love, and we have a, an episode with that and we have uh, a quadrant that we came up with high truth, high love, low truth, low love, high truth and, and how it all goes into it. But I think when you start looking and examining your football program or yourself as a coach, am I going to give high truth, high love to those kids? And they know that I'm going to care about them. I'm going to pour into them to let them hear the tough no's or the corrections and, and changing your vocabulary of how you coach. I'm going to give you this truth because I love you. I want you to be better going forward. So I think HTHL is one of our mantras. I still use that today. I still use it with our track program. I think as a young coach, you have to identify that your why and your how, 
which makes you a leader anyway. If you're in a position, if you're a coach, you're in a leadership position anyway. Never mind if you're a, a middle school coach or a varsity head coach or a power five head coach, you're in a position of leadership. How and why are you going to be transparent? And is it high truth? I love. Great points there, John. And, and I think as I'm thinking about the young coach too, I mean, part of what you're going to do is you don't, you don't set the overriding culture. That's the head coach, the good coaches, absolutely recognize that respect that they live that culture but I also think and I think you kind of looked at this too when you were branding your unit it's a, it's a sub culture a subgroup you know you talked about in, in military terms and there's going to be your fingerprint on that I mean you have to live it and you know what the the head coach said that's what you do if, if you can't do that gotta hit the road yeah <laughs> That doesn't mean you do it the way that he does it. That's where you put your unique fingerprint on it because you have to be you, right? You're still going to be you within this culture. Brian Kite, who's been on my podcast, has been on your podcast, talks about owning your 20 square feet. That's what you have to do is Mm -hmm. own your piece of the culture, but it's still one culture. At times, I think we maybe get away from that main culture and now we have this subculture which is operating on its own it still has to be interwoven that it fits with what the head coach sets yeah so i view it as the big umbrella and then it kind of goes down like that and never ever do you want to supersede the team culture and that's that was my fear at the beginning so i went to our head coach and be like hey this is what we're going to do we're going to do something fun with it we're going to have we're going to call it this. We call it the Air Raid Brigade. We had many, many, many names going forward, and it just kind of fixed with through the ball. But I told him, I was like, I don't want this to be over our whole program. I just want this to be an entity that it's a subculture. We fit inside of what MRA football is, but it gives these guys an identity on Friday night, on Monday afternoon at practice, on Sunday. So I wanted that kind of feel to it. But you also, as a coach, you want to – the head coach has the ultimate – system of the whole team, but you want to have buy-in as an assistant coach. So the fact that he let me do that, and now other coaches have started piggybacking off of that, because think about who you would see. Coach Tory coaches running backs. He sees running backs more than the head coach does. I see the receivers more than the head coach does. So these guys, I'm the head coach of the wide receiver position, if you want to start looking at it that way. So how I run the receivers is how they're going to perform inside the big umbrella that I talked about of MRA football. So being cautious about that, I didn't want to have all these rules and regulations and standards and this, and we have these cool handshakes and that. We just started out real simple. And Coach Tory has been with me since day one of outlining what the ARB was. Yes, you have to be careful with that, but also knowing and telling your kids like, hey, this is just our culture of who we operate inside of our wide receiver group. Now, is it exclusive membership? Yes, you have to be a receiver to be in our group. Are you an offensive lineman and want to be in the ARB? Sorry, you, you can't. So there's been some, what about running backs? Well, I, I talk about guys, if you ever get inside the tackle box, no, you're not an ARB member. You have to be outside the tackle box at all times. The only person inside the tackle box that is a ARB member who's honorary is the quarterback of the team because without him, Hey, we don't get passes thrown to us. So without him, we don't have a system 
of ARV and receivers. So he's an honorary member every year. And we can get more into the the culture of what we do inside of it to help coaches. Like Coach Troy said earlier, we're sharers. Nothing we have is proprietary. You can add, edit, delete anything that we talk about today and make it your own. Yeah. And and I know you said Coach Tory collaborated with you on that, help you put it together. Coach Tory, looking at it again, and I alluded to this earlier, as you start to brand and give your group an identity, whether that's, you know, you're the defensive coordinator, you're, you're branding your unit, all those things really are your style. You're still living the same culture. This is my style of how I implement it with my guys. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. There's just a couple of things here, and I and Weaver does a great job of this, probably better than anyone else that I know, and I've gotten so much better in the five years that he and I've talked and shared and built things from the ground up, and it's a slippery slope because the more you brand yourself, the more you distance yourself also, which, I mean, so culture can be used on your behalf, and then that branding can also bite you in the butt a little bit. I'm reading Bronco Mendenhall's book right now about five strategies to make practice better. And he talks about when he left New Mexico to go to BYU, he looks over on, uh, like that was the circle game for him that year, right? Like, can't wait till we play New Mexico. Can't wait to go interact with former players, uh, other guys that were, I was on staff with. And then kickoff came and they start using they used to put their hands in the air on kickoff and they had like some sayings and things and they start using that. They're still doing that at New Mexico and they're kind of looking Broncos way. And it's like, Oh man. Yeah. Like I had to let that go. Right. So the more intentionally you are with things, it can also be used against you. And my warning to other people looking to align is one, you need to expect jealousy from other people, right? You need to expect that there's going to be some internal conflict because your group is so strong. And how you resolve that conflict, that's ultimately what's going to decide whether your culture is healthy or not. But I agree. I think that uh, I agree with Weaver, and we've talked about this a lot, like your identity has to be exclusive. So I give sledgehammers to my running back, and that's part of our pound the stone mentality of you got to keep swinging the hammer. You're going to gain two yards. You're going to lose five yards. You're going to fumble the ball. You're going to break one for 75 yards. But we're, we're going to keep pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. And other people on our team are like, Coach Tory, can I have a sledgehammer? Well, are you a running back? And, and so it's like, if I give everybody something, and this is the, the, the thing that we found with you sports, if we give everyone a trophy, those trophies are worthless. And so the more exclusive you make it, the more you're going to distance yourself from the team on intentionally, hopefully, but that's also going to bring other problems. The last thing that I'll say on this, on the slippery slope, is I think that's okay as long as you don't become counterculture, right? Because ultimately the team culture has to be the biggest and then your position can be stronger uh, with your alignment and your brand and all the things you're trying to do, but it can't be counterculture. 100%. You said the key word there, alignment. And I'm sure you guys have seen this from Brian and, and Tim Kite, the big arrow pointing in one direction and all the little arrows inside of it pointing in the same direction, right? That you are going to have those little groups that are exclusive in their own ways, but everybody is aligned. And some great points there. I agree. It can't become bigger than. You have to see it as a part of you know, just thinking of little things like that, man, I, I think it was 2000 
and five. And always liked with what we were doing, a little bit of a theme for that particular year. It was unique to that group because I think every group, you know, you have your culture and then every group presents that and themselves within it in a different way. And you, you need to look at, okay, you know, goes the personnel, who do we have? And what are these guys about now that we can make sure we fit in and align? And back at that time, everybody was doing the, uh, you know, the, the rubber wristbands and, you know, with a saying on that, thought that's overdone. What could we do that's cool that we, we can afford here? And so we went with dog tags. And so we started it out with uh, everybody got one because you were part of the team. You got one. Then there was a second one that you could earn. And that was for leadership. And we set it out of, you know, what are the things you need to do? And we did not make it easy. And I remember that first one, you know, it took forever for one guy to earn it and to step up. And, and really that, you know, one day, so what do we, we need somebody to step up and went into the weight room and, and took that first of the second dog tag that was for leadership and pinned it up on, on a board and said, we're looking for someone to step up. You want that? Somebody go up and take it. Everybody looked at each other, looked around. Nobody did anything. Went to the workout. <laughs> Things got going. And one of the guys, and he, he was the one I really wanted to step up to, you know, at some points you could tell it just kicked in like, oh, I get what he's doing. Boom. He went up there, took it right off, got it. And then afterwards though, everybody started earning those, right? It was like, that, so I was like, that was it. And you know, that fit though. And that group that got that wasn't, they got it for a reason. They had to earn it, but it wasn't like they became something special within that group. They were guys who had just taken the next step in alignment and what we were wanting to do. So again, I think there's all kinds of things that you can do with that. As I said, you know, the, the branding side of it, I want to get into that a little bit because, you know, you mentioned you don't want subcultures that are working in opposite directions. So with that in mind, you guys have done some great stuff together on the branding. I love the ARB. It probably should for our listeners who maybe didn't hear that one from a couple of Fridays ago, John, explain what ARB is and how that came about. Oh, wow. So uh, this is this is one of the cool things. And every year it's different. And, and, and I, I had to write out what all we do because it's morphed into this huge deal to where a kid was with Davis Dalton, who was an ARB member at another school in our association. And Coach Davis was like, you know Coach Weaver? And he's like, the kid goes, yeah, he's the ARB guy. And I was taken back, and he's like, yeah, he's like the CEO of the ARB. I was like, time out now. I said, how do you know about us? He goes, Coach, your receivers and this and what y'all do. And he goes, "Can I got to ask you, can I have a shirt? And I was like, sure, are you going to be here tomorrow? He goes, yes. I said, I'll, I'll bring you a shirt. And sure enough, I saw him on the practice field holding my horn and he comes running over and he goes, you remember? I said, absolutely. I remembered. I said, here you go. He goes, am I part of the ARB? I was like, no, I just got you a shirt. So no, you're not a member of us. You just have a shirt. And I gave him one from this past year and our hashtag, I'll get into that of what we do. But uh, it just goes back to that intentional part. You tell somebody you're going to do something, go do it. So what we did is we had a bunch of names and uh, Moneyball, Money Crew, there were so many flight school, all kinds of things that were going on with what we wanted to be. And I knew that they needed some direction because I wanted them to start having a subculture. 
So air raid, we have like two or three air raid principles. Uh, so we're not true air raid. And then my dad's in the military. So we could have used battalion or brigade and brigade sounded a lot cooler than battalion. And then I started realizing that's really hard to say air raid brigade, like say that three times fast. Good luck. So we just shortened it to ARB. So the name is the first thing you have to get, like they have to identify with that name. Then we started looking at what's a hashtag for that year that we can use to identify that unit. So we had take flight was the first year for 19 and the I and the G was a one and a nine to play off the year. I'm a big Dr. Dre guy. So 2020 was next episode, but it was N-E-X-X for 20. And then we spelled out episode. Coach Tori, thank you for that, uh, for help on that one. And then we get into invasion was 21. The S and the I was the two and the one. Well, this past year, I had a coach from uh, another school mention, he's like, hey, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what about clear for takeoff since it's a new, new deal, a new, I was like, I don't know how I can put 22 into that. But what it meant was I had a new guy, new set of receivers. We graduated two seniors that both of them could have all played college ball. Davis Dalton's at Southern Miss right now. Uh, Joe Perkins is at FIU. And it was a new branding type deal. So we have people from the outside. So like I said, we'll take advice or, or whatever from anybody we're sharers so other people are sharing with us and he said what about clear for takeoff and I was like this is fantastic so that's what we used this year was clear for takeoff and they're like well there's no 23 in there well, there are no rules for that we just it just happened to be that way so we have a hashtag for the year that goes on we have t-shirts we have a special design that we did the a and then an airplanes and i that's shooting up and then an r we type brigade and we have two stars underneath it Game day notes is a big deal for us. Coach Tori and I both do this. Uh, writing your receivers notes, letting them know, hey, we appreciate you. And we noticed that, hey, you had a hard week of practice or you had an awesome week of practice. But so many times we ask kids to be so good for us. We never tell them, hey, I appreciate you. Let them know that, hey, this is, I know what you're doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I appreciate the effort that you're going to put out Friday night and Blessed to be your coach. Like that, without them, we don't have a job. Then we have call signs. I'm Top Gun and Top Gun. When Top Gun Maverick was extended out, I was like, man, I got to wait a whole nother year to watch this show. So prerequisite, you have to watch Top Gun. And then I let them watch Top Gun Maverick all together before we played our state championship game. So we all got up here early, watched Top Gun Maverick in our boardroom and talked about that. What does it mean to fly by the seat of your pants, but then be controlled chaos as a receiver? So a lot of what we do is piggybacked off the F-18, the F-14, all that stuff. So they started seeing when I say, oh, gee, it's that part of Maverick. When Top Gun Maverick, when they get in that old one, he goes, Coach, that what you mean by like an OG? It's like the F-14. Yeah, it's like the old one. Yeah. So they all have call signs. And if you know rules of call signs, you don't get to come up with your own. It has to be given to you from another member. They have to be G-rated or PG. They can't be R. So they have to go through me like, hey, we want to call this guy this or this. And so they're not shouting out a name and I don't know what it means, but there's an inside joke. So you have to reel them in on some of it. We had a kid, one of the coolest ones was uh, San Diego. And he called himself, like the guys were like, he was from San Diego. 
and his call sign was Burgundy. And I was like, where does that even – he goes, keep it classy, San Diego. And I was like – and so our receivers are thinking about that. Their other names are cool things like that. Yeah, that's great. There's – you know, they've had Spider. We've had Smooth. Tons of them. We had a guy that's playing at Southern Miss right now, and he was a ladies' man. So all the guys called him Cuddle because he liked to cuddle. So I, that was his – that was his call sign. To this day, he was in the weight room working out. And I said, what's up, Cuddle? And he's like, hey, coach. And it, they just kind of stick. So, it's, I mean, it's no different than a nickname that you call somebody. Then we have these little badges. So, if you watch Top Gun, you see they have the badges. They have badges that I get $10 on Etsy. They're, they have the gold and blue ones, and they have the red and blue ones. Obviously, we get the red and navy because that's our school colors. And then uh, we had core values that started two years ago. And that was a big part of what we did because that's three questions I asked them at the end of practice and were LEDs. Were you lightning rods at practice? Did you bring the energy? How was your effort? And did you count? Did you go into the details at practice? So I asked them at the end of practice, were you an LED today? And we evaluate lightning rod. Did you bring the juice, effort, and then details? And here's the cool thing about an LED. They never go out. So for us, we always have to be on point. And that's where it started. That's where we are. And there's some tough love in there. And it's a it's a lot about accountability. So go back to the rainbows, unicorns, butterflies, whatever. We were playing to talk about culture. And I, I'm not a yeller. I'm more of a Tony Dudgy type. Like I'm not a rah-rah, get in your face, all that kind of stuff. We played absolutely terrible in the first in the semifinals of the state playoffs. Awful. And I'm walking in and I'm getting some stuff situated at halftime, making sure our game strat iPads are ready. And I walk in and our assistant receiver coach comes in and he's like, Coach Davis is looking for you. And I said, all right, hold on. I'm walking in. I have my headset and I have my jacket on. This is a cold night. And uh, he goes, what do you think about the first half? And I walk right past him, take off the jacket, take my headset, and I go nuts. And I said, if I accept mediocrity and I started going off, I said, then we're okay, but I'm not. And we're bigger than this. We're better than this as a unit. And I mean, we had like, I swear it was like 15 drop balls. It was awful. And uh, after the game, some of the sophomore receivers were like, coach, we've never seen you like that. And I was like, guys, I have sides to me that I coach with all the time. I said, but if I accepted you for that to be the standard of our receiver unit, then I'm doing you a disservice. So are there times that you need to yell? Yes. Are there times you need to crawl some butt? Absolutely. But they know back to that high truth, high love. And they also knew that that was our core value. Like we have to be on point. Are there things that you're going to mess up? Yes. We can control the effort, the details and all that stuff. The lightning rod, you can be bringing the juice. But I think that's the part of it to where there is a standard set inside of our wide receiver room that if you're not meeting that standard, I'm just going to call you out. Because my call sign given to me by Ray Vinson, who's at Ole Miss, is pilot. And I don't know about you, but if you're the pilot, you're leading the whole thing. Like they, A co-pilot, yeah, you're sitting in the back like goose. But if you're the pilot, you're running the whole thing. And if I accepted that in the semifinal game, then if I went didn't go in and say anything, then our all of our stuff that we've talked about was junk. And it didn't mean anything. So it's fun for me. Our new guys come in and they're like, when am I getting my call sign? I was like, whenever somebody gives you one. Like, there's no timetable on that. Whenever somebody gives you some. Probably when you mess up and do something stupid, you'll get your call sign off of that. 
Right. But it's fun. It's enjoyable. And our head coach backs it up. He, we got our shirts this year and he gets one. I mean, he's the, he's the head honcho. So with that, if he don't call a pass play, then we don't get to catch the ball. So you said this now is something that the other position groups are doing too. Mm-hmm. So our offensive line is the trench mob. Our D coordinator runs our secondary as well. And I'm, I'm trying to get two on two is called as a dog fight. We do two on two and seven on seven, call it dog fight, uh, working on stuff like that. So goes back to what Coach Torrey said. You have some coaches that are going to be all in on it, and other ones are going to be all in on X's and O's. It's just whatever fits you. So go back to it has to be you. So if this is not in you, then don't do it because the kids are going to be able to see right through it. But our offensive line has kind of catered to that. The trench mob is what he started, Kenny Williams, and it's it's developing, but it's it's not going to go at the pace that anybody wants to go to except him because he's going to be the driver of that culture, of that unit. So if you're listening to this and you're still hanging on, there's a piece of it that you have to feel comfortable with. If it feels like work to you, then don't do it. If a game day note is work to you, writing it and giving it to it, then don't write a game day note. If you don't want to take the time to – Come up with hashtags, then don't. This has to be enjoyable. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this is, I love it because the X's and O's, and we're about to go to Glacier in February. And it makes the world go around because it's, yes, I love ball. That's why I'm in it for 18 years. But pouring into these kids, and we have a Jersey legacy of like, what's their favorite thing? And then once a call sign is, is used, you can't repeat it. Nobody from Top Gun can be used. I mean, there's there's so many layers to this. Like, I think Shrek has, like, onions have layers, ogres have layers. Like, there's so many layers to the ARB now in year five. Yeah, well, and it's evolved, but you lead it. And I think you said something important there, and we've we've already said this before. It has to be you. It's, it's not a copy and paste. So someone sitting out there, love this idea. Maybe it sparks something. Tailor it to who you are. John Torrey, you've... You've sat alongside Coach Weaver in this process and and helped collaborate on this thing, helped him develop things, obviously had ideas, questions, et cetera. I guess your advice or, or pointers or coaching points for doing something like this. I think find someone outside your organization to share with, right? Because that's what Weaver, Weaver is my best resource. And I've got a handful of five or six people outside of our program who don't necessarily, I mean, Weaver's 800 miles from me, right? Like we've never even met in person. So we just talk on the phone all the dang time. So we talk about being purple cows. It's a Seth Godin thing. Like if you see a black cow, you know, there's nothing. And I grew up on a farm. So this like tugs at my heartstrings. Like we were a dairy farm. If you see a Holstein, if you see a brown cow, that doesn't catch your eye. But man, you go through a field and there's a purple cow. It's like, I'm going to stop and I'm going to gooseneck out my window and, you know, slow down. And what the heck was that? Like, so find people that are like you. Uh, Be a purple cow for your organization. And then find someone outside your organization who you can bounce ideas with, who can be an outside resource for you, who can spark the creativity process. Because what's great is Weaver's been doing the ARB for a long time. But the call signs are relatively new. The hashtag is relatively new. Like he's going to do things in five years that we don't even know about yet because there's that evolution that's essential for any kind of strength in your program. And 
I don't know. I just think about all those different things. And that's where it comes down to find one really good idea. Because if you can find one really good idea, then there's 10 more waiting over the next X amount of years that you can build on. And once you find something that works, then all of a sudden it's easier to find, oh, what's next? Like, where's the evolution next? What can I be doing next? How can I make this stronger? And that's where the magic happens. I agree with you there. I love that idea of of finding other people to bounce ideas off of. Uh, I think it's so important to get perspective. And and sometimes, you know, you're going to get great perspective from other people within your organization and what you're doing, but you may have blind spots and somebody on the outside could point out some of those things. It's, I'm trying to think of uh, a coach. I believe he was here in Ohio. He's at Dublin high school now. And he said, bring other people to your practice to evaluate what you're doing. Not just football coaches, right? Bring the basketball coach or bring the assistant principal, right? And don't be afraid of those things, you know, to get feedback from people. And they might tell you like, I don't understand why you're doing this. Or is that really a good idea? I mean, it's always that it helps you reflect, right? That reflection. And and I would encourage, you know, young head coaches out there, the same thing, find, find guys in the same boat as you. I shared a story a couple episodes back about that exact thing happening to me being a young coach and really feeling like man it's kind of kind of lonely here at the top I'm only getting so much advice and everybody's just focused on what we're doing couldn't get perspective and then you know coached an all-star game with two great coaches about the same age as me different situations but like every day then we found ourselves calling each other and asking questions and you know you need to be able to step outside of it so you being you know where you are you guys haven't even met but coach weaver's relying on you and we're the opposite right like coach weaver teaches at a parochial school in mississippi i teach at a free and reduced lunch school here in iowa right it doesn't get any bigger of a difference in a gap from what we do and yet we're aligned because we we are similar in personality and in values and I always go back to Bum Phillips, right? And I'm sorry, I'm just a student of the 70s. So like 70s football, back when real men were men and and the game wasn't really sure if it was going to fold or or be around and, and become a national brand. But I think the problem when you have too many people that you align with inside your program, the blind spots you speak of, it turns into bitching, right? All of a sudden the problems don't get solved because there's you're all stuck in that same hamster wheel. And so there's just a lot of bitching. And Bum Phillips always said, bitching isn't coaching. And that stayed with me for a long time. And I, I, when I think of Bum, I think about, you know, the 10-gallon hat and the, the snap metal snap Western shirts and, and whatever else. But Bum understood people, and he was way ahead of his time. And he is 100% right when bitching isn't coaching. I want to echo what you said right there, Coach Story, is we're totally, I mean, like you said, we've never met. We're 800 miles from each other, different type of school, but we have the same mission and it's to impact kids. And I think that if that's your mission to impact kids, to pour into them, uh, Nick Winkler, who's been on our podcast, we just spoke with the AFCA, has the awesome mantra of four for 40. We have them for four years and how are we going to impact the next 40 years of their life? And that has stuck with me since he's been on our podcast and growing with his and his friendship. And, and I just think that's a huge deal. When you start looking at it through the lens of, I want to make an impact. Culture is great. Systems are great and all that stuff. It's real simple. 
care about the kids, care about the kids. And if you really love the game, the X's, the O's, they'll get all that. But you pour into them and you make it about them. I mean, when you get into coaching, it's not about you anymore. Right. When you you step into that world and you put that hat on and the whistle around your neck, it's not about you anymore. It's about the people in your organization. It's the people you're leading. It's the pilot that's driving the plane. It's the conductor leading the train. The people are behind you. How are you making that an an enjoyable, memorable ride for them in their four years they have with you in high school? And I just want to echo some of that. Like Randy Jackson talks about the easiest part of coaching is putting the whistle on your neck, right? Mm -hmm. So like a lot of times, oh, I got the whistle. I'm the one in charge. I'm running this thing. Yeah, well, that's the easy part. Now, what do we do moving forward? And to bring the conversation full circle, this I've really hung my hat on this belief that your identity, so we talk about position group identity or culture and, and identity within a culture, your identity comes from who you are, not what you do. So the fact that you are a human who wants to grow in the game or wants to learn more or wants to be around their teammates, or there's 9 million reasons why you should play high school football, right? Why high school football is needed in America. And Angus Reed has a great Ted talk out there. If you want to go. And if you haven't seen that, you need to watch it 12, 15 minutes, however long it is. But Angus Reed is a phenomenal human and a phenomenal leader. Your identity though, is not what you do. So I don't treat my running back who has 700 yards, on the ground on Friday nights, any different than the JV kid who doesn't even know how to run 36 belly. Some great points there. Angus Reed, love that talk. And he's been a guest on the podcast. I'll link that one in the show notes and make something really important there. You you guys have really brought out is this comes down to it's about the experience for those people that what are the outcomes? What, what's the experience that you are creating? And I think you can look back on your careers and think, man, I did not create a great experience for that kid, right? Well, that's also your culture, right? That is, is really it. That's the part I think, you know, if you want to step back and reflect, if you've had a, a tough day, if there's a guy on your team and your position group that maybe you're not meshing with. I think if you go to that, what experience am I creating for this kid? And, and you'll start to figure out where you're missing and where the issues are on both sides of it. I mean, it's it's a two-way street. It doesn't just, you know, do this for me. That's not what coaching's about. But I think, you know, if you could reflect on some of those things and what is this experience I'm creating for this kid. And when you say the kid too, I mean, that extends. Whatever's happening to that kid, you know, whether you like it or not, I mean, it's happening to his family as well, right? So. Um, you think about that, though, you have a bunch of people leaving your program with great experiences beyond whatever the win-loss column shows, then people in your community are going to buy into that as well. And when you you have those those up and down years, maybe a little bit, there's still those positive things you're building on that equals longevity, too. So but but overall, you know, the most important thing is to create great experiences for your people in the way that you do things. So, you know, whether it's, it's a cool way to brand your unit or, you know, whatever offensive system you might be choosing and thinking about how the people fit into it, it always comes down to that. Woody Hayes, you win with people. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I'm as long as I'm coaching, I'm going to have the ARB as long as the game is evolving and we're still throwing vertical passes. We'll, we'll catch balls and stuff like that. But 
I think it goes back and, and even I just started when you started talking about that, like and how we coach, it's how you coach kids is if you're intentional, the word again, and it's not just a buzzword that you really pour into your, your student athletes is your coaching will change because your perspective and how you look at how they perform. So for receivers, it's real simple. If they drop a ball, tell them to catch a ball, right? Never in the last three years have I told a kid to catch a ball because it's like a pitcher telling him to throw strikes. That's what they're supposed to do. So there's a coaching point in that. So you take our core values. How was your effort on that route? Did you concentrate on the details? Did you catch, instead of with your eyes with the ball, we use nose, nose to the ball. Key words that they know that I can still coach them where it's not fire and brimstone, catch the ball, do this, do that. It's how you coach them. And they start, I think it's, you know, you're, you always hear that how a head coach goes, their kids kind of go and like the kids of that team follow the, the, the leadership of the head coach. Well, same thing with your unit. I never want my guys too high or too low. And I think with me being even keel and then having those outbursts when they're needed, it just it doesn't become noise. So I think a lot of times coaches, they start yelling and all that. It becomes white noise to them like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Versus when you have something to say and you are impeccable with your words and how you choose them and the words that come out of your mouth. Because I go back and I use my daughter, for example, you know, the old thing sticks and some may break my bones, but words never hurt. I, I can't think of any more time when this is so wrong now in today's world. Words hurt, hurt more than throwing a rock at somebody because of the, the psychology that goes with the game now. Well, so how you coach them and how you pour into them also translates to how, how you coach. So if you don't live the life, and Coach Troy and I talk about this all the time, this is easy for us to dive into. Because it's the life we live. It's not fake. And kids are the first ones to spot a fake. Go ahead, Coach Tori. Yeah, I'll just piggyback on that. And it's like there's there's a key that's changed my coaching, right, in the last five years. And that is I am okay getting the second to last word, right? Like I don't need the last word. And I think a lot of times coaches need that last word where you're going to listen to me because or I've been there and I know and you need to. Yeah, all that might be true. But in the moment, and we talk about staying green, staying positive, not being red, like they're not ready for it. So there's a lot of times where our running back will come off the field on a, after a third down play when we're punt teams out there. And I run special teams on Friday night, too. So I send the punt team out. Running back runs off the field because he has one play rest before he's got to go back out and be a linebacker. You know, and, and he'll be like, not now, Coach Tory." And if you looked at it from the sense, if all you saw about our relationship was Friday night from the stands on that third down transition, it looks like we have an awful relationship. But all he's telling me is, I don't want to listen to you right now. I will listen to you later. I'm not in the mood because I've got a short turnaround and I got to go back out and there's more work to do. So that's another advice. If you want to build relationships with kids, if you want to be better with people, get used to having the second to last word. Yeah, we had a we had a mom take a picture from the stands, and it was our first game of this season with a new group who had tons of questions. We had a guy that started, but he's at a new position out wide instead of the slot. We had a guy that played defense that is now our slot receiver. We have another guy who had been on the team for three years. His brother was a starting quarterback, was really good. And he's just now getting his start. And so they're green around the gills. 
and she took a picture of us on the sideline. It's all three of them talking to me. And I put it out there for coaches to for kind of that same thought. The second it said it's okay sometimes just to listen. And I think that's what you were just saying too. Like they're, we're so eager to get the last word and tell them do this because I said so versus what are your concerns and listen. I mean, God gave us two ears and one mouth. So just listen to them and then form your answer. Uh, or even does it need an answer? Sometimes you just need to be there and listen to them because they've had a hard day. It's crap at home. There's stuff with their job. Maybe their girlfriend's cheating on them or something. You never know what goes on in the world of a 16, 17, 18-year-old's life. And sometimes they don't want you to have an answer. They just want you to open up your ears and listen to them. So for young coaches, for old coaches, for whatever, if you're still hanging on to us into this podcast, just listen sometimes. Yeah, there's a good chance that if my running back's coming off the field because we went three and out, that he just got his ass kicked and doesn't want to talk anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is a topic certainly we could – dive into maybe we do that at another time just you know you mentioned the psychology behind this and listening and and you know how you coach kids today certainly a lot out there that I've been studying and would love to do that with you guys sometime but uh, really appreciate both of you taking time on a podcast here and you know we've got a guy in Iowa we've got a guy in Mississippi got a guy in Ohio here uh, connecting and talking about these things but uh, it was great to get you guys here on the podcast, as I said, we'd, we'd love to get you back some time and dig into some other topics as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, for our listeners out there, if you want a deeper dive into some of the topics, because Coach Weaver and I, we're in the lab every day. We're evolving every day. Uh, if you want to go deeper, go find our Culture Classroom pod, podcast. Sorry, shameless plug here. Um, but we're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud culture classroom and there's a there's an episode out there if you've got questions on it yeah definitely i'll share all your contact information in our show notes as well as uh, a link there to your podcast and you guys keep up the great work with what you're doing uh, both both within your own uh, teams and, and communities as well as what you guys do to share with other coaches keith i i appreciate you so much thank you for for people that tuned in and listened And thank you for what Coaching Coordinator Podcast is all about. As we said in the very first part of the show, we're all sharers. And the amount of information that you share with the coaching community, man, it is priceless. And just thank you for all that you do for coaches around this country. Keep putting out elite products because it's amazing. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that.